following audio is from St Nick's Durham. As a church, we exist to love God, love people, and love Durham. We hope that this sermon will serve you well as a supplement to your regular Bible reading, prayer, and participation in your local church. For more information about St Nick's, directions, or resources, please visit stnicks.org.uk. Our first reading is taken from Psalm 23. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He guides me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me, your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil, my cup overflows. Surely goodness and love will follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. And the second reading is taken from Acts chapter 4, verses 5 to 12 and it's headed Peter and John before the Sanhedrin. The next day, the rulers, elders, and teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Annas the high priest was there, and so were Caiaphas, John, Alexander, and the other men of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them. By what power or what name do you do this? Then Jesus and Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and are asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel. It is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. He is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the capstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning, everyone. And let's pray. Lord God, as I speak in your name, the name of your Son, and in the power of your Holy Spirit, May you open our hearts and minds again to your presence, your love for us, your leading us into all good things. Amen. Have you heard the one about the two disciples, a lame man, a power struggle, oh, and a knight in jail? Lots of great stories seem to include a knight in jail. If you doubt my statement, you may like to take Tim up on the tail of his stagnite. But let's not get distracted. We shall come to jail later. Our scripture reading today is the middle part of a much bigger story. The fishermen Peter and John have become fishers of men, just as Jesus told them they would. And their first big catch of the day has been a lame man. No, not some guy who only knows bad jokes, 
as had to be explained in our family pyjama church last week. But someone who has never walked, he is taken by friends and family to beg at the gate of the temple every day because there are rich pickings at prayer time. So Peter and John, they'll have seen this man, they'll have seen this man plenty, possibly even when they were with Jesus. Perhaps we need to pause there for a moment and let that thought register. This occasion, they stop. They look at him intently. It's as if they are seeing him for the first time. And having got their attention, Peter then demands the beggar's attention in return. But rather than loose change, rather than a salve to his own conscience on his way into prayers, Peter tells the man, you can have what I've got. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, get up and walk. Suddenly prayers are a little different that afternoon as the man comes into the temple walking and leaping and praising God. The people are amazed. Peter has to explain. The people are paying attention and beginning to believe. Peter and John are arrested and now it's the next day where our story began. There has been time to regroup and gather. The rulers, elders and scribes have been summoned. This is the establishment, the lawyers, the priests. Anyone who was anyone is there. Everything about this gathering is a display of power. Earthly power, that is. The kind of power that is based upon achievement, wealth, inheritance and connection. Everything that can be done humanly speaking to have power. And power to intimidate, or so they seem to think as they make Peter and John stand in their midst, surrounded. The question, what is your power and where or whom does it come from, is a simple enough question. One which Jesus refused to answer back in Luke chapter 20 when the scribes, chief priests, and elders came to Jesus on that day with their clever arguments. So what do the disciples do? Do they, A, phone a friend? B, consult with each other? C, tell the truth? Speaking truth to power comes with consequences. They have just spent a night in jail, remember. Undaunted, Peter appeals first to their compassion. A lame man can now walk. This is a good thing. It's new, so therefore a bit suspicious, but it is a good thing. At the same time, Peter stays focused. The man is healed in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rather like knowing you're in big trouble as a child, when your parent is suddenly shouting your first, middle and last name all in one go, Peter wants his audience to know that it is Jesus, that Jesus who you crucified and God raised from the dead, and no other. It's that Jesus in whose name this man has been healed. If ever there was a moment for Peter and John 
to claim a little bit of personal greatness. It's now, but they don't. This is also a new thing. The power of the Holy Spirit in them is changing love of self into love of the Lord and a desire to do what he leads them to do. Peter appeals next to their knowledge. Do you remember that old saying in Psalm 118, the one about the stone the builders thought was useless, but turned out to be the best and only stone worth using as the foundation stone in the building, the beginning of all things and the cornerstone on which and through which the whole lot stands secure. It's an image the early church was quick to adopt as a way of explaining Jesus is the Messiah, the one sent from God, the one who saves. Whether Peter had forgotten the rest, we don't know, but I suspect those in the room with all their education and learning and expertise will have been able to recall the surrounding verses in that psalm. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. What is most astonishing and the thing that silences all that earthly power is the boldness of Peter and John. Oh, and the man who is no longer lame standing quietly beside them. Someone once said that to name something is to make it visible. Peter has named Jesus as the source of power, and here is the proof for everyone to see. And the boldness with which Peter has explained this has left those who think they have all the power utterly dumbfounded. The disciples of Jesus, recognizable as they are, have had a fairly poor record up till now with a reputation for blurting out stupid or thoughtless things, arguing over greatness, generally displaying a woeful lack of faith. Peter has also been known as the one who denied Jesus, buckling under the pressure of accusation from a mere servant girl standing around a friendly fire pit one night while Jesus stood trial. But since being filled with the Holy Spirit, the disciples are changed men, capable of stopping, stopping to look intently at someone, to confidently proclaim healing, capable of teaching the people in the temple and explaining a major miracle before a court. Where once they found easy things difficult, they now appear to find difficult things easy. The power of the Holy Spirit is the triumphant power of reversal. From death to life, from lameness to leaping, from struggling apprentices that were the disciples, to confident proclaimers. There is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among mortals by which we must be saved.
So what about that night the disciples spent in jail? It's easy to pass over this little detail in the story as the passing of time. And yet it's a common factor in so much of the Bible. God's people often seem to spend a night or three or more in captivity. We have Daniel in the lion's den, Jonah in the belly of the big fish, Joseph in a deep pit, then in prison, then in prison again. The disciples, the apostle Paul, and on and on it goes. What purpose does it serve? There are two kinds of prison in this story. There is the actual prison the disciples are put into. The prison that serves to punish and intimidate, restrict and prevent. Speaking truth to power does tend to put people in prison. Throughout the ages, those people who have taken the courage to do this have got out on a limb, made themselves vulnerable and open to those who would prefer to silence or restrict them. When this happens in the Bible, the result is that the people concerned turn to God in prayer and wait for his words, his words of comfort, his words that enable them to wait for God to act in his time so that his power at work will impact many more than anyone could have imagined. And then there's the virtual prison that has bound hearts and minds, that made the law that was supposed to bring freedom from slavery into something controlling and corrupt, brought people into a different kind of slavery. Those who are supposed to faithfully teach the law appear to be the most captive of all, having found the ways to benefit themselves and keep others in an impoverished state, blind to the injustice they create and the prison they themselves are held in. Their biggest crime to grow people away from God rather than towards God. Jesus continually challenged this imprisoned thinking and way of living, declaring the kingdom of God is here and fulfilling the law in all he did to set the captives free. This is the prison that requires repentance, a returning to God, a remembering that we worship a God without boundary or limit, that nothing is impossible to God, and that all things are made possible through him who loves us so much he sent his son to die for us. Both prisons, the Bible shows us, present no barrier to God's presence or match for God's power as we continue to step into the unknown of belief. Some of you may have read the book, The Heavenly Man. It's a true story of the Chinese pastor, Brother Yun, who spent time in a maximum security prison on one occasion, through torture, his legs had been crushed. He was told by a friend he would walk free that day. Miraculously, he simply rose on broken legs, which were instantly healed, and walked out of that prison, past dozens of guards, through the gates, which were open wide, and into a taxi that was waiting outside. Brother Yun 
is a man who unceasingly proclaims Jesus as the one who saves because he knows it to be true. When our minds become imprisoned on our own achievements, our own striving in faith to make things happen, we forget it slides from our memories that the Holy Spirit is part of the Trinity. The Holy Spirit is an equal part of God and is with us. I've heard and agreed with, I have to confess, some terrible fake news over the years. The Holy Spirit goes where it wills. We haven't got the Holy Spirit. It's really not true. We all know the Holy Spirit and welcome him into our lives when we come to faith, when Jesus saves us. Whether we see the Holy Spirit at work or not, the Holy Spirit is here. All we have to do is continue to wait on God and be expectant. The imprisonment of the pandemic has brought the UK to its knees, the UK church, to its knees in prayer. Much self-examination has gone on and some repenting as with so much Stripped away, we've been able to do little else but turn to God in penitence and faith. There are challenges ahead. As restrictions lift, can we lay down all that had become a hindrance and had bound our hearts to the prisons of our own efforts and achievements? Can we share the power that seeks to reverse injustice, speaks truth, and enables us to stop and look at the one in front of us and say with generous love, here, you can have what I've got. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. We thank you for the power of reversal in our lives and in the lives who don't yet know you. Renew our confidence and belief in you again. That in the name of Jesus, all can be saved. And send us out in the power of your Holy Spirit to live and work for you, to share you, to share the power of you, to share the generous love that we know is on offer to those who don't yet know you. In Jesus' mighty name and for his fame, I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the St. Nick's Durham podcast. If you'd like to hear more sermons and teaching like this, then subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about St Nick's, visit our website at stnicks.org.uk.